Super Talk Mississippi media production. What is Moondog? Moondog Makers and Bakers is not just a catering company. It's blended tradition with innovation and something familiar just done differently. To get a taste of what they're truly all about, you can order some awesome merch, crafted spice blends, or request catering for your very own event. MoondogMakersandBakers.com. I'm Steve Azar, and I'm on the other side of the microphone, meaning I'm asking the questions this time, and oh, have mercy for the airwaves. I spent 20 years in Music City, wrote and made some hits, traveled the world, and then moved my family back to the birthplace of American music and where the magnolia trees prosper. And now every time I put my feet on Mississippi soil, when I'm off the road, well, I'm at peace. On this show, it's all about hearing the stories straight from the mouths of the friends I've made along the way, their journey to success. Heck, there might be someone on, I don't even know, but you know how us Mississippi types are. We tend to take well to new company. In a Mississippi Minute, all 60 of them. I'm Steve Azar. It's just like that muddy river moving slow. Ain't no worries, it's how life goes, baby. In a Mississippi Minute. That's right. Hey, hey, everybody, I'm Steve Azar coming to you from the Keep Mississippi Beautiful Studios. Something we gotta do. Today I'm fired up, and once my guest starts to speak, I'm going to need a chill pill. When it comes to sports, her voice is it. Her tone, intellect, and knowledge of all sports. She made sports casting history by becoming the first full-time U.S. female sports anchor on a national radio network. When she was hired by ABC, ESPN would soon come calling, and ever since, she and the network have become synonymous with each other. So let's get it on and say hey, hey, hey to the great Linda Cohn. Hey, Steve. Thanks so much for that intro. Great to talk with you again, and it's, I'm really flattered that you asked me to be on. Hey, Linda, let's let's dig back a little bit and talk about how and why it was sports. Growing up as a kid, there was like I heard like a little birdie said that you were into sports and competing against the men. I mean, did you play hockey? Were you a goalie, or did I dream that up? No, that really happened. I mean, the whole thing why I had an interest in sports um, was my dad, who's no longer with us. But uh, I grew up in New York, and we were a New York family, and my dad was one of those fans that just was like a roller coaster ride with his teams. And, you know, for him it was the Yankees, uh, the Giants, uh, the New York Rangers, and um, the Knicks. And so... You know, there was back in the day that many of those teams who lose consistently now that I mentioned uh, won a lot. But it was, uh, you know, I just kind of like hung with my dad and watched him watch sports. And it gave me a chance to be close to my dad. And I picked up his, um, I don't know, I picked up what uh, traits. So it was the emotional connection that I had with sports. And growing up, I was. You know, a kid from the second grade on was wearing thick glasses. I had low self-esteem. I wasn't popular in school, and I used sports to fill that void. I also loved music just as much early on. I still do, Steve. Um, You know, and I use that. Okay, you growing up, you're doing that. You know, you mentioned going in the room and listening to 70s music uh, and and listening to the depressed. Look, I did that. Um, it was important. No, it was important. Yeah, it was right. an important uh, part of my growing up and understanding uh, the importance of lyrics and songs and how it could make you feel 
emotionally and how you could connect right. with those emotions. So for me, it was I was it was very important that I did the same thing. I don't know if I was I, I was probably a little bit more of a popular kid. I, I sort of was a good, really good athlete growing up in the YMCA days, the tailback, the shooting oh, yeah. guard, all that. And then I started getting small, you know, and as things got on. And then in college, I started to grow again. So I had a I had an ugly duckling stage for sure. Uh, that was tough, you know, and but but I do recall going into the room, turning the lights down and listening to songs that uh, that that set me up for the rest of my life, to be honest with you. So, well, that's why, you know, that's why, Steve, I mean, now I actually like today's uh, country music genre. Like I'd say country music in the last five music, probably people may I don't know, maybe people like you don't like it because it's very poppy. Like it kind of reminds me the lyrics and the the subject matter, and the sound remind me of pop music of southern rock back in the day, or yeah. just great musically uh, compositions, just great lyrics, and that's why I love it so much right now. And it does remind me of that. So you just kind of hang on to things, whether it's sports music, um, as you did as a kid. Well, they're both synonymous with each other as well. I've used that word twice. Yeah. I've used that word twice in my inter- in this interview so far, so I won't use it again. <laughs> Don't penalize <laughs> me just yet. We're talking to Linda Cohn. Uh, first of all, musically, I've got friends. Uh, you know, I write my own stuff, or and when yeah. I've been home back in the Delta, I've had nobody to write co-write with, so it's been all me. But my friends, uh, who I admire so much, who have made an incredible living just being songwriters, uh, they uh, I'm in awe of of the talent and the brain and they come from these small towns and have these big ideas and it's brilliant so i get it and i agree with you i'm on the same page all right linda yeah growing up what was the road getting did you go to communications degree or you know what what was your college experience and what'd you major in yeah i mean um, going to college is important to me for so many reasons, but I mean, I majored in communications, broadcasting, concentrate. I went to a small college in upstate New York. Remember, I was from Long Island, you know, downstate New York. So yeah, I went, you know, about six hours from home, seven hour car ride from home. Uh, but it was just enough a way to kind of grow, um, in many ways. And so, yeah, they had a good, uh, program. Um, when I go around and I talk to people and I talk to young people, I just say, yeah, it's important to do that. It's important to get internships, which are just um, real-life experience. Um, you know, I give that advice to my, my children. I have two grown children. My daughter's 28. My son uh, just turned 23, and he just graduated um, uh, from Slippery Rock University in Pennsylvania. And, the, you know, he did three internships. Uh, when I was going to school, I did two internships Mm -hmm. and what that does is and i tell young people this you know has something to put on your resume and that's what worked for me once i graduated you know i got a job close to home at a radio station doing newscasting worked there for three years but the key there was uh i volunteered to cover and you know hockey was my sport and hockey was big in new york obviously so i i I volunteered to cover the new york islanders and i i grew up a new york ranger fan remember so i hated the islanders but (laughs) They were the hometown team. They were the team that the radio station I was working for was broadcasting their games. And I said, listen, if you pay for my gas, I'll just go back and forth, which was an hour drive from where I live, to where the New York Islanders play their home games and cover their games. And I wasn't looking for, oh, why aren't I making any money off of this or extra money? Um, I was 
believing that this would lead to something else. And I was committing to the fact that I was young and I shouldn't be worried about how much money I'm making. I should be worrying about meeting the right people and networking and putting myself in position to be successful. And that's what happened. And by covering the Islanders for free, basically, is when I met, you know, the sports director of a New York City radio station and WCBS named Ed Ingalls, who really meant started to mentor me and hired me to freelance reporting in New York City and hired me to have my own little sports update uh, on the weekends, you know, that I did. So I was the first woman to be heard in New York City um, at a sports station. Uh, no, sport, it was a all-news station. It was before sports talk. It was back in the mid-'80s, late-'80s. And then, you know, that's when I got hired at ABC Radio. So you see how one thing leads to another. People hear you. But all this wouldn't have happened if I didn't go into my news director, knock on his door and say, and this was in Patrick, Long Island, near my home, and say, hey, I'd like to, you know, enhance our sports broadcasting. I know you do the Islander games, but can I file 40-second reports so you can put it on on our little newscast, and that's what all this led to. And so I'm, when I look back, that's the thing I'm most proud of, that I created that part of it myself. And then, you know, then it comes down to working on your talent and facing a lot of rejection and realizing you can still do this and have backup plans. But, you know, I don't have to tell you, Steve, you don't want to, when I talk to young people, you don't want your job to be feel like work. And I think both of our jobs along the years didn't feel like work 99% of the time. Not when not when we were doing it right, I can tell you that. We're with yes. Linda Cone and uh, I've woken her up and her puppy. What's what's the what's your what's your puppy's name? My puppy's name is Babs. Babs. And, uh, Babs and she's a pit boxer mix. I rescued <laughs> I her. She's two and a half years old now, but she is uh she's great. She's great. With Linda Cohn. She just, yeah. Go ahead. I was going to say, go she, she just went into the other room, and she's resting there now that we're speaking. I was a little too loud, I guess. <laughs> I love it. We're with Linda Cohn. Babs is taking a nap, and uh, you're in a Mississippi Minute. We're coming to you from the Keep Mississippi beautiful studio. Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Flying down that levee road, trying to see how fast you go. I got my baby along for the ride. Hey, coming to you from the Keep Mississippi Beautiful Studios. I'm Steve Azar. You're in a Mississippi Minute. I'm with Linda Cohn. I've woken her up. And if you're in Mississippi or wherever you're listening to this radio show and podcast, uh, I'm in trouble. So I'm going to need some help. <laughs> Linda, you bring up an interesting point about growing up in sports with your dad, uh, being his being his shadow. When you got into a business that was dominated by males, yep. did you ever think, yeah, great. Would, was it ever on your mind yeah. or were you just rolling? Yeah, great question. I mean, there's so many layers and answers to that question, but they're, they're all, everything I'm going to say is, you know, is is so uh, absolute real, but very close to heart. You know, 
my mom and dad both prepared me for this. I didn't think about it. I really didn't. I I only thought about it when others made a point of it, like whether I'm playing on the boys' team when other mothers, when mothers would come up to me and, you know, oh, you're playing with my son? You know, this kind of thing. And the funny thing, when I first started playing ice hockey with boys, it was before high school. I started when I was 14, and they had, and they had leagues um, out on Long Island. And my mother, you know, I found out there was another girl playing on it, and I said, Mom, we have to, I want to play on this. My mother took the drive, drove me 45 minutes each way so I could play on in this hockey league where there was one other girl, but I was uh, on the my specific team. I was the only girl, and I always remember these mothers looking at me like I was from uh, an alien planet. You know, she's you know, and, and you know, I didn't have my own locker room. I had a I had a dress in the ladies' room. I had to put on 40 pounds of goalie equipment in the ladies' room. Wow. So I would get these strange looks, and that would always be the reminder, Steve. Like, I would be going about my business, happy to be playing hockey with the boys and, you know, better quality of play, you know, and there were no girls' teams at that time. And, you know, I'd have, like, the weird looks, and I'd have to deal with it. And it's funny because that kind of stuff prepared me for ESPN. Um, you know, the stuff I went through as a teenager playing hockey with boys prepared me for ESPN because, you know, early on, and even before ESPN when I worked in other sports, you know, whether it's sports radio or or radio stations or uh, uh, Long Island cable networks before ESPN, or, and working on, even in Seattle, Washington, where I worked in Seattle for two and a half years before I got my big break in ESPN, uh, a woman doing sports was really relatively new, and I got a lot of looks, I got a lot of weird phone calls, I got a lot of, there was no social media back then, um, but, you know, to this day I had to deal with stuff. There's just some people that... Um, You know, you have to warm up, too. And, uh, Steve, I always say this, and it's really uh, one of the things I look back on. And I I had some guy say this to me even recently, and I still took it as a compliment. But back early on in my career, and I've been at ESPN for now 27 years. Yeah. So early on in my career, and I said I've been in the business for over 30. um, Guys would come up to me and say, you know, I never took my sports uh, from a woman before you. I hope you don't take that the wrong way. And this was before everyone was so, you know, politically correct, socially correct. You know, right, listen, this right. was back then, you know. And I would be like, no, that's the greatest compliment you can give me. Like, I won you over. I really appreciate that. I mean, can you just imagine? I mean, people nowadays would have to say something like that and, <laughs> and make that person feel better. But to me, that made me feel better, that that guy took the time to tell me, a little bit about him and his history, that he could never take sports from a woman before me. And then that kind of made me feel on a pedestal that not only I'm doing something that I love and want to continue to do it, but, hey, I'm I'm making inroads here. You know, uh, this is good. This is probably good for my gender, getting back to your earlier question. But I was still thinking about me, my career, not in a selfish way, but trying to, you know, getting guys to... You think it's okay for a woman to do sports. And, you know, of course, not all women could do sports, but women that love it passionately know what they're talking about. Or even if they didn't grow up loving it like I did, at least doing their homework and really coming off well like they know what they're talking about. We're talking to Linda Cohn. The, okay, look, when the first time I ever saw you uh, on ESPN, that, that would have been the first time for sure, probably – 
on the back of my bus uh, <laughs> or somewhere. No, seriously. And so, yeah, I know. It, it was like never a, a thought. It was never a thought that you were a woman. You were just great. And I look at you and so you and Chris Berman, right? Y'all were just rolling. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Your accent. Were you ever along the way? Because if you know, to me, you're like it's like Barbara Streisand, great. So right. Uh, were you? You know, a lot of a lot of people that do what you do, they have a very generic voice. Um, you know what I'm saying? In radio, well, people can put a radio voice on and it's over the top. But a lot of times, they don't want you to have any sort of accent, and yours is very unique. It's New York, you know. Um, and yep. it's polished <laughs> New York, but, but yeah. did anybody ever come along the wrong person and say, Hey, we need to work on that? Or was it ever an issue? Yeah. Um, it's funny. And now, you know, obviously, um, it was, it wasn't an issue, but when I was in college at Oswego State, really amazing, uh, TV production professor, uh, his name was, uh, Fritz Mazer and Fritz, um, you know, I spoke to him about, about you know being on air i don't it wasn't a long conversation but he noticed my new york accent like you know when people do and they go where you're from and blah 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 and this professor was asking me that and he's like you know if you want to be on air you you probably want to work on losing that accent your odds would increase of getting Hmm. you know a job blah 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 so i'm like okay i'm listening and so he told me to when i speak to open my mouth wider when i talk and slow down my speech you know just you know, just take a breath, you know, slow it down. Like New Yorkers are always in a rush, right? So slow it down and open up your mouth wider when you speak. And I worked on that. I wasn't not diligent, you know, like in front of the mirror doing it, but I was conscious of it. And I was conscious uh, conscious enough to, when I was doing like television, um, more than radio. Because when I started doing sports talk radio, you're not reading anything, you're just talking. And when I love the fact, and you know this, Steve, like when I met you, too, I still had my New York accent in real life. Like a lot of my colleagues make it their one voice, pretty much, with a little bit of tone change. But (laughs) I go from, you know, I go back to my real New York, yeah, accent, Long Island accent, in real life with friends. And now when I do sports talk radio, I fill in on serious xm radio um my accent comes out and it's okay like it's and i'd say in the last 10 years 10 to 15 years uh for me being in the business even at espn i i've been less conscious of the accent and i no one has said anything so that's how thank goodness our world has grown and it's not like all walter cronkite sounding right. Right. um you know no offense to Walter cronkite of course the greatest ever great. but yeah. you know type of thing you know what i'm saying where everyone does sound the same but you will find that with newscasters i believe it's still around with newscasters but for sports casting i have personality is, is allowed to get in more much more news a different story yeah well i i see, well, I see you guys more than just telling s- stories about sports you you do have this celebrity status that comes with especially when you're as unique as you i mean you're like springsteen i said barbara streisand but (laughs) so you can never change don't don't go changing billy joel all right so here we go anything else that's so bad that was horrible but i said it (laughs) Uh, we're with linda cone we're keeping mississippi beautiful right here on in a mississippi minute i'm steve azar
all the way back in 1989. My wife and I newly married, and I was working on making my mark on the music business. We wanted to build a house. There was only one bank that helped us do that. And while we were trying to find our way around, our friends at Guarantee Bank started on the journey with us and have been there ever since. They were always my connection back home when we lived in Music City. They believed in me. So when you need a financial institution to believe in you, give my family at Guarantee Bank a chance. With humble beginnings all the way back to 1943, Guarantee Bank has grown from offering basic banking services and products to serving customers with a comprehensive, complete line of expertise and products only expected at much larger institutions. They are proud to be your local big-time bank. Please visit one of their 17 locations and tell them Steve Azar sent you. Guarantee Bank, member FDIC. In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Hey, coming to you from the Keep Mississippi Beautiful Studios. I'm Steve Azar. You're in a Mississippi Minute. I'm with Linda Cohn. So, Linda, your greatest sports stories that you were, anything ever, like, you go, I can't even tell this story because I can't believe it. Or it was such an underdog story. Or when you're telling it, because you tell stories with such excitement, uh, you everything looks like it's moving you. And, it, you know, it's it's getting your wheels turning. But was there anyone in particular or a couple stories that you can go, this cannot be happening? So, I, like, for me, I'm thinking, you know, I think of Miracle when I, on Ice. And then I think of, um, you know, uh, uh, when, when Tom Watson was a second away from winning the, the Open Championship. And, I mean, as a viewer, I couldn't even hold myself still. Uh, at Tiger this year at the Masters, it was crazy for me to see him come back. Although, in my heart, I wanted him to, but just – physically and mentally could he and I knew he was going to be playing for his kids now and I knew that was going to be the next level I felt like he was playing for his dad before and now he had to do this for his kids and and I think that it's 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 a beautiful story but any wow factor stories that you've covered that you had to contain yourself well I think I'm a little different because again I want to go back to that the teams that I love growing up um and I've always said this, is that I'd rather be um, at a sporting event as a fan as opposed to covering it because I can be a fan. And I've had several of those moments. I mean, I've covered stuff, but since my job specifically, uh, and I'm very grateful for that, that I've been in the studio anchoring, you know, is um, I haven't had the odds or I have, would, didn't have, like, I witnessed, didn't witness like major sporting events. I did go to a couple of Olympics, but I didn't have an emotional connection. And I was working. And sometimes when you're working an event, people don't know this. You're like in the back in the press room. You're not there in the arena experiencing it. You're not there in the uh, stadium experiencing it, so to speak. But the few times that I've been on the field after a Super Bowl win, uh, doing interviews and things like that, that's still to me amazing. Or after a Stanley Cup win, which I was um, in 2017 when the Penguins won, and there's these, you know, you look to your left, your right, the Stanley Cup's being raised, and there's all the players and their families on the ice, and you're on the ice trying to cut, <laughs> conduct interviews, and that 
ultimate joy that athletes work so hard toward a championship, amazing. Uh, but personally, to me, there's nothing better than being there when your team wins. And that happened to me in, with the Rangers in 1994, a team that nobody in their lifetime thought they would win the Stanley Cup. They did so. And not only that, Steve, that night, to me, everything, it was like God was definitely looking down on me. My dad was in Florida at the time, so we were, you know, I picked up the phone right after from Madison Square Garden when they won, um, and they were, you know, celebrating with the Stanley Cup overhead. So why was a perfect night besides being in the building? I mean, I sat on the roof. I had a, the tickets were so expensive. I had a, I had to sit basically on the roof with a press pass. I begged someone in the in at ESPN who I didn't really know to to give me. I never asked. You, you always you always uh, hold off on favors until you really need one. Yeah, oh yeah. Guy yeah, gave yeah. me a big favor, and so um. But then that night, uh, um, a colleague, not a colleague, but a guy that worked in New York. Uh, TV, who's still working for Channel 4 in New York City, Bruce Beck, told me where the Rangers were having their post-party, like right after they won the Stanley Cup in the building in Madison Square Garden, and he got me in that party. So I was in the Rangers' celebration party. Imagine the team you grew up loving. The night they win the Stanley Cup championship, something nobody ever thought they could do in anybody's lifetime, because they had not won in 54 years at the time. And I drank from the Stanley Cup. Come on. I don't on. know what was in it, but I drank from it. And that oh, night, God. Not, not later. <laughs> so, like, everything was, like, amazing. And that was great. And so that's, like, one a personal story. You know, I had other stories where I went as fans. My, I, I love just as much the Giants. I love Eli Manning. Yeah. You know Eli, of course. Yeah. I, I love him. You know, he gets – I love everything about him because he, you know, he's the – He's become the Giants' all-time greatest quarterback. He won two Super Bowls, two, two Super Bowl MVPs, and he has blocked out all the noise, all the criticism. He's always blocked out the, the noise. Years. I mean, and I know, even at Ole Miss. I, I, I love this kid. I, he's not a kid anymore. I, you know, Steve, he's everything to me that epitomizes a great human first, and him just, you know, like that's kind of like how I... The parts of Eli I relate to because I had so many people saying, you're not good enough, you're not going to make it, you look weird, you're in this, you're doing this wrong, you're standing wrong. You know how many times people say to Eli, he can't move, he can't run, right. he can't do anything. <laughs> just when it matters, he does it, you know? Oh, so anyways, come on. I had to get Eli in it. Well, I'm you glad. Know, well, you, you just Eli made a lot of, you made half the state yeah. very happy. Right now. Well, I want them to know how much I love him. And if, and if any of you guys see Eli before I do again, please tell him Linda Cohn loves him and always says uh, he's president of his fan club. Because I continue to love this guy with all, all the adversity people put on him. And he works through it all. And he just tries to do his best. And he, I always bring him up when my kids were younger, I brought him up. You know, and my, you know my kids think I'm nuts. But anyway, I got onto the Eli topic because... Seeing them beat the uh, Patriots, you know, I saw it with my brother in Glendale, Arizona, and then my son is, is a huge Patriots fan, and I just got to share this story as a mom. <laughs> um, he, the the second time they faced the Patriots in the Super Bowl is in the Indianapolis at the RCA Dome, I think. And uh, again, I had to like ask a favor, and these tickets I paid for. Again, we I was on top of the ceiling of an arena, but me and my son flew in the night before. Those tickets were a fortune. Who cares? Me, the Giants fan, my son, the Patriots fan, and this time my son, who was 16 at the time, said, oh, this time 
<laughs> Sorry, Mom. The, the Patriots are beating your, your Giants. As the confetti fell, after the Giants won, my son gets up to leave. Before the, even the trophy presentation <laughs> of the Lombardi, gets up to leave. I go, where are you going? He's like, Mom, I can't sit through this. He goes, I'll meet you outside. I go, hang on. You're sitting for a couple more minutes, then I'm going, you know, damn it, I'm not going to let him wander out alone. But the point is, oh, and that night we were staying at the Giants Hotel, because that's the only uh, reservation I could get. So he had a deal as a Patriots fan, The old, that's like a song, the only Patriots fan in the Giants nation. It was <laughs> unbelievable. But anyway, these are kind of the stories. When you can share your family oh, and things better. that you love and grew up with, right, Steve? I mean, so that's why I wanted, that's why that is more important to me than uh, events that I worked or witnessed or watched. But there's too many to name, Steve, in sports. It's why we love sports so much. We can't predict it. No, no, I know. We were talking to Linda Cohn, and I'm just starting to – I'm kind of climbing out of my chair. I'm standing on it right now. I'm excited. <laughs> Do you realize that I feel like I'm watching TV right now? This is just awesome to me. All right, Linda, funny. we're the birthplace of American music. Uh, I know you've got a lot of great music when you grew up in New York, and there was a lot going on, but Mississippi – is the birthplace. There's just too much talent that's come from so here. So why? Yeah, it's a why. Do, it's I mean, it's funny because they they make they make Cleveland given that the birthplace of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and yeah. So why did that? That's you know I need you to tell me that about Mississippi. Well, Plus we got more. I, we probably got like you can add up the Grammys. Uh, like I, at one point we had like more Grammy winners than the next eight states combined with winners i mean it's like wow you got to realize it's it's crazy you got to think about the birthplace of the blues the birthplace of country music with jimmy rogers yeah you got bb king you got muddy waters first of all let's go we go deeper and yes. then and then you've got i mean it just never ends so you get to play dj there's a point to my madness okay. here would you like to hear a little bit of denise lasalle or faith hill me, I mean, I don't know the first person. I forgive me. Oh, she's awesome. And Faith Hill's okay, but I like this, like like Brothers Osborne. Well, no, they're I not like... from Mississippi. We can't have that. Oh, oh, okay. it's a Mississippi oh, thing. Oh, oh, it's, oh okay. I like Brothers. They're good oh. guys. <laughs> I love it. Well, although <laughs> we could break the... the rules for you, but I, but I'm not. No, gonna break it's them. all right. I Faith Hill. Uh, listen, who wouldn't love Faith Hill? I mean, oh, a golden great. voice with, and she's gorgeous. So I don't, uh, with all due respect, I don't know the first person. Oh, she's incredible. They're did, both incredible. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to go with Faith Hill. You're in a Mississippi Minute. Rocking with you from the Keep Mississippi Beautiful studio. We are with the fabulous, incredibly talented. And I got her up in Los Angeles time, and I'm in trouble. Linda Cohen. <laughs> Humble beginnings all the way back to 1943, Guarantee Bank has grown from offering the basic banking services and products 
to serving customers with a comprehensive, complete line of expertise and products only expected at much larger institutions. We are proud to be your local big-time bank. So when you're looking for a bank you can truly depend on and trust, and like me so many years ago trying to find my way around, let Guarantee Bank, with its 17 convenient locations, help you on your journey and become a wonderful addition to your family like they have mine for over 30 years. Guarantee Bank, member FDIC. In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. We're rolling together, you and me, right here from the Keep Mississippi Beautiful Studios. I'm Steve Azar. I'm with Linda Cohn. I've wanted to get her on this show for a while. Don, and you're upsetting third. me right now because I was in New Orleans when, when the air got let, let out of the city. So, uh, Yeah, let me tell you we'll something. I have a story later. for you about that. I have a story for you about that. I didn't that's mean to interrupt you, cool. but I just got sick. No, also. that's good because the, guy, the colleague that I worked the commercials with was Stan Verrett. <laughs> Stan breathes the same. Stan is all about the same. You know how I talk about the Rangers and Giants? Yeah. That's how Stan Verrett is. So uh, it took him. I couldn't believe it wasn't the first thing Stan said to Jared Goff out of his mouth. He waited about a half hour before, in a break, he said, I, I witnessed it. I was right there because we were all the same spot. He's like, Stan's like, uh, you know, I got to talk to you about the Saints and that call and that non-call. And it should have been, I kept looking for the flag. I was there. And he's telling Jared, he's like, what are you talking about? You know, Jared was playing a really cool, like, I thought it was a clean play. You know? <laughs> and it was, and that, that should have been the freaking commercial, but it wasn't. That oh, would have been wow. funny. I would have even said that of it. So, yeah, I feel your pain there. I totally feel all your right, pain. What was the third uh, commercial? Yeah. The third one was, and this was nice, Saquon Barkley out of Penn State, who had a fabulous rookie year with my football giant. Yeah, so right there behind Eli. He was in the third commercial. So he was so nice. I told, I, of all the three that I just mentioned, even though I was professional and excited to meet all of them, but with Saquon, I had, I had a, I had, was a little fangirl. I was a little fangirl. I had to tell him how much a big fan I was of the Giants and everything. I go, I know you hear this a lot, but I know. I was talking to him, telling him on October 10th he's playing the Patriots. And he's like, yeah, that's a Thursday night game, I think. I go, yeah, I think it is. I'm going to try to go with my son. You know, blah, 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 blah. So anyway, that was what I did yesterday. That doesn't happen every day. Uh, I'll tell you another cool thing that happened, and I was working with Stan at the time. Um, long story short, fr- this past Friday, I'm telling you because it's fresh in my mind, all right. um, of all the years I've worked at ESPN, uh, you know, there are some nights that it's just, all right, when do we get out of here? Please, Dodgers, end quick so we can get out of here. You know, seriously. I mean, that's, you know, it's only normal. You want to get home, blah, blah, blah. So, but last, so Friday night, uh, we were all set to, we were doing the late show because we're doing it out of L.A. So that's 10 p.m. Pacific, 1 a.m. Eastern. And so, and that would be 12 Central. And so anyway, midnight Central. So anyway, our lead going in, we have it, we pick out like what's going to be the lead story. And it was a no-brainer. It was Zion Williamson, you know, the former Dukey, number one overall pick, making his summer league pro debut against his former Duke teammate. Getting hurt. Right. Okay. Right. right. All right. It, but going into the night, all you knew was that's what's going on, right? You right. Just, that, oh, this is the first time he's stepping on a pro court, summer league, Vegas, blah, blah, blah. So, yeah. So that was our lead. And then, and, and then okay, and then um, then at eight, yeah. So then uh, he, he hurt his knee in the third quarter, I think, right? Right. So then we're like, okay, that's going to be a big deal, too. All right? <laughs> so then... 8.19 Pacific time happens. And what happened at 8.19 Pacific time? Uh, there was an earthquake. L.A. suffered a 7.1 magnitude uh, earthquake. I was at work. 
Uh, I, it was the second one I experienced because we experienced one the day before on July 4th, not as big. I was at home. So Friday night, 7.1, and guess who else suffered that earthquake? Las Vegas. So everyone watching the Summer League and Zion, which was everybody watching ESPN that night, they stopped play in the fourth quarter. The announcers were like, oh, I think we just suffered an earthquake, blah, blah, blah. They canceled the game. So then, and the Dodger Stadium, you saw it shake, camera right. shake, all the stuff. They kept playing. A UFC Hall of Fame ceremony. They made reference. Anyway, it was a big deal. I mean, it's kind of scary. Seven point one, a little bit. It was. It was my. It was a wake up call to L.A. So, in meaning, in my head, it's like, hey, welcome to L.A. moment. So, anyway, we. I was hoping, hey, would they cancel our show and let the guys in Bristol, Connecticut, do it? No, that didn't happen. <laughs> so then, our whole show changes, Steve. So Zion getting hurt was like an afterthought. Really, it was more about wow, the scoreboard was shaking at Thomas and Max Center at Las Vegas. You know, uh, games were stopped. The summer league was stopped for that night. Dodgers State, Dodgers kept playing. And y'all can turn on a dime, right? Just boom, there's nothing right. to it. Right, but um, the punchline is coming. Okay, so cool. um, we because of the earthquake, everything kind of got pushed back, so we didn't go on the air until 11 p.m. Pacific time. And three minutes before that 11 p.m., so 10.57 Pacific time, we get a little voice in our ear, and then we were looking on our phones and everything, and out of nowhere... Kawhi Leonard makes his decision. So that's one fifty-seven a.m. Eastern Time, ten fifty-seven Pacific Time. Kawhi Leonard decides. Of course, you know Kawhi Leonard, reigning MVP, led the Raptors to an NBA title in his only year there. Um, decides, and he's a free was a free agent. Decides, took his time, and says, you know, I'm going to make up my mind. I'm going to the Clippers, and I'm taking Paul George with me. Yeah. OKC has the you know, and that so at that whole show that went from oh we're going to talk about Zion for a lot. Oh, we're going to talk about the earthquake a lot in some other sports. And now it was about Kawhi Leonard. We ripped everything up, and that's what happens on SportsCenter. And why I bring up that long story is the fact that, I'll tell you, after all these years, those are the stories, those are the moments, those are the events, it, or the reason why I don't call it quits yet, and nobody's asking me Well, no, you can't. You, I mean, and it, I was got, it's yeah, like and insane it work. <laughs> it's insane, and it was great that it was a high, it was an adrenaline rush, that I was in one of those chairs because all eyes were tuned to SportsCenter at that time in all hours. Even Billy Crystal, who I saw on Twitter, took a picture of the TV with me and Stan there, was watching. Billy Crystal, the comedian, is the biggest Clippers fan in the history of Clippers fans. And I was like, I went to bed that night, and I'm like, oh, my God, Billy Crystal was watching me. I mean, it's just like, wow. We've been with Linda Yeah. Well, let me tell you something. It will be, it'll have representation. Mississippi will, will be represented here in, her, in Hermosa Beach. I love it. All right, well, you go get back get back to rest. I really appreciate it. I have been and spending an entire Mississippi minute with arguably my favorite sportscaster, broadcaster in history, Linda Cone, and now I can rest. I'm Steve Azar. In a Mississippi minute, all 60 of them, where you can take your sweet time. The news doesn't sleep, and neither do we. Fox News Radio, late breaking, up to the minute, from around the world, around the clock, here on Super Talk Mississippi. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.